When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Do you bleed green? Are you an ultimate Eagles football fan? Well, you're in the right place. Well, you're in the right place. This is Birds 365, hosted by the new Mac and Mac, Jody McDonald and John McMullen. And here we go, here we go! Who collectively have covered and talked about more than 50-plus years of Eagles football. Kick off your day with Birds 365. You'll get debate. We love to argue. You'll get the real story from inside the locker room. And you'll hear from some of the great football minds from around the region. You're about to become an Eagles insider. Get in the game. Join Jody Mack and Johnny Mack and join the football community that flocks to Birds 365. Birds 365 starts right now. Welcome to the NFL. Let's go! Let's go! Go! And a good football Friday morning, Birds fans. You got your Birds 365 duo of John McMullen and Jody McDonald here with you uh, for a Friday morning get-together, which means we're just over 50 hours away from the Eagles and the Giants taking the field at MetLife Stadium in a key NFC East tilt. More key for the Giants than it is for the Eagles. Sorry to say that, Giant fans, if we've got any tuned in. Yeah, they kind of need this game worse than the Eagles. Uh, The Eagles need it. They want to keep both the Vikings and the Cowboys at bay for the best overall record in the NFC this year. But uh, the Giants, if they lose this one, the whole get off to a quick start, make the playoffs for the first time in five years thing starts to get in a little bit of jeopardy with the uh, comeback down to earth month that the Giants have had. Uh, but the bad blood between these two organizations has been uh, long before any of the current players, current coaches, current hosts of Birds 365. Uh, yeah, these two teams have been doing battle and disliking each other for a long period of time. How much do you think emotion comes into play in this game, Johnny Mac? Uh, not much. I don't think that bad blood exists anymore. It's a uh, mutual admiration affair between Nick Sirianni and Brian Dayball. They love each other. Um, and, uh, you know, Jalen Hurts loves uh, Brian Dayball from their time together at Alabama. Um, it's like one of those things where – I guess in the NBA, it was uh, Magic and Isaiah Thomas uh, kissing at midcourt. Used to have the 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 old school rivalries of, of Julius Erving strangling Larry Bird and their true hatred. And all of a sudden, one one day we woke up and it wasn't like that anymore. 
It's kind of like that in the NFL now with all the jersey swaps and everybody uh, friends afterwards. But you, you mentioned the long history of this rivalry. Yeah, the head coaches love each other, and I mean love each other. So yeah, well, yeah, good, good on them. That uh, when I was on with Jeff just before this, uh, jumping into Good Morning uh, NFC East, I said there'll be a long hug after the game between the two guys. Or it'll be uh, after. They're the game. very competitive. Yeah, they want to beat each other. But from that standpoint, it's like you want to beat your 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 brother or your best friend. Uh, you want to beat them if you're playing. We'll stick with the basketball analogies. If you you, you want to beat them, uh, if you're playing pickup basketball, but there's no there's no animosity is what I'm trying to say. But Nick's the most competitive person in the world, so you don't have to worry about that. He wants to win uh, everything, whether it's picking up cones on the field or ping pong, or he wants to win everything. Understood on the competitive nature of the head coach of the Eagles. Um, but let me run this one by you. Because the, the the coaches against the coaches, the players against the players, players against the coaches, maybe there is uh, a little bit too much good feelings going on uh, <laughs> that uh, we as fans would like to see a little bit more disdain and a little bit more motivation before the game starts. Speaking of fans, uh, I have been uber impressed by Eagles Nation this year with their ability to get <laughs> tickets on the road when the Eagles are not playing down at the link, quote-unquote, taking over other stadiums. They've done it a couple times this year, which is just unbelievable. The one in Arizona was off the charts. Cross-country going over. Uh, yeah, being Arizona was unbelievable. That, Arizona was like Philadelphia to the point where I, to- I told you that story. My Uber driver knew who we were. Uh, he was an Eagles fan uh, driving back. Uh, from the game that whole town seemed to be infused with eagles and eagles fans Uh, yeah that was the most impressive one uh, if you ask me it probably was um this week's a little bit of a different story you would think that a trip up the turnpike which johnny mac's gonna make to cover the game on sunday two hours and change from your front door if you get there at the right time and you're not completely uh, blown away by pregame traffic. You get there early enough that it's not outrageous traffic, I'm guessing, when you head up. Yeah, I try to get there early for that reason, basically. Uh, Plus, I got to get there for pregame heads and all that. But, uh, yeah, it's not quite that long. It's about a little under two hours. A little under two hours, right. So if it's that for you and you're a South Jersey guy, Philadelphia people, two, two and change, not a whole hell of a lot. Certainly easier than getting on a plane, flying across the country to go into a game uh, against the Arizona Cardinals. Yet I don't know how many Eagle fans are actually going to be in the building because giant fans take up from a guy who lived and worked in New York for as many years as I did. Uh, Giant fans are a little bit more attached to their tickets than Jet fans. Now, I'm a Jet guy, and I've got Jet tickets. Um, and, yeah, I do. I'm kind of a living example of it because I just can't go. I work on Sundays. I have the tickets. I'm going uh, Thursday. I remember that uh, December 23rd, Johnny Mac, the uh, Friday before. You might have to carry me a little bit on the show because I'll be in attendance for the Oh, Jets you're going to be a late one. Yeah. Uh, the the only game I can go to all year, I can go to the night games because if it's a night that I'm not working, I can do that. So I'm planning on going up uh, to watch the Jets compete against Dougie P. 
But Jet fans aren't as entrenched as Giant fans. Giant fans go all the way back to Giant Stadium, and they never give up their season tickets. And if you go to their games, they do have an older crowd than Jet fans uh, crowds. How many Eagle fans do you think get into this game? Do you well, think- it's interesting you bring that up. I was thinking, now, they have taken over that building over the past few years, and I'm talking about Yeah, but about that's Eagles when the fans. Giants Yeah, the putrid. Giants were terrible. That's what yeah. I'm saying. Now, the Giants are, are in the midst for a playoff spot, so I'm very interested to see how many Eagles fans can get in the building. As a matter of fact, I was going to ask you that question because I don't know. I assume Giants fans are not giving up their tickets. They were given. You know, maybe they were giving up their tickets for the past four or five years because they were so bad. And a lot of the games were late in the season, making it worse uh, because they'd given up all hope. And Eagles fans, it was, wasn't was as bad as Washington, but it was close. I mean, they took over. I can't see them taking over with the Giants at 7-4-1 and one, uh, and still in the mix for a playoff berth. But I got a feeling... They're going to find some ways to get in there. There's going to be a decent amount. Not as much as you would think for being two hours away. And if right. Ben McAdoo was the coach or Joe Judge or Pat Shermer. Uh, but uh, I, I think it's going to be more difficult for Eagles fans to get in there. That's what I was thinking. And last year's, last excuse me, last year's, last week's tie, uh, kissing your sister, doesn't add to the excitement but it also doesn't deflate as badly as a loss that the commanders would have. If they'd fallen behind the commanders in the division yeah. were sitting in last place, maybe you have some giant fans say, wait, the Eagle fans are willing to pay three times face value to get into this game. I might have to just make my tickets available to them. Um, I think you'll hear the Eagle fans. I think you'll know that there are Eagle fans in the house more so probably than any other giant game that's played this year. If you look at it from a giant perspective, but I don't think it's going to be what we've gotten used to with the Eagles on the road this year. Yeah. I think Giants fans are going to there's still only, be There's the only been a couple of Detroit, as I mentioned, uh, for whatever reason, uh, uh, Detroit was hyped up for the season opener. There weren't many Eagles fans there. There weren't many Eagles fans in Indianapolis either, despite Nick Sirianni, you know, celebrating with each one of them. I can only assume... Let's be honest, that time of year, it's not the greatest uh, vacation in the world to go to Indianapolis. So I think they were saving their money for Arizona, Arizona Part 2, and some other, you know, uh, more high-profile games. That's my only explanation for Indianapolis because they're a bad team and they probably could have got in there if they wanted to. Um but typically on the East Coast, yeah, well, I mean, they've been taking over Washington for years. They've been taking over New York for years. But the New York part of it had more to do with the team being bad. When the Giants are good, and and they're not great, but they're good, and they're, they're most certainly in the playoff hunt, um, yeah, it's more difficult to get into that building. Yeah, it's been been a while since entering December. The Giants were still in the conversation for a potential playoff spot. That just has not been the case. And oh, by the way, despite the fact that the Giants have lost uh, two of their last three and the other one being a tie, they're still there 
but they're they're limping in. Uh, the giant injury report, you were down there at the uh, Novocare Complex yesterday. Eagles have a massive <clears throat> did-not-practice report, most of it resting. And that has become uh, uh, their modus operandi. That's what they do with their veteran players and or some of their younger yet star players. They don't work them as hard in practice as they have. And, yes, yours truly has been kind of uh, questioning that all year long. I need to shut up since they're 11 and one. Uh, it seems to be working for them. And they did so again yesterday. No, the Giants have guys that are actually out that are not either already have been announced out for this game or are looking doubtful because they haven't practiced this week. The Eagles aren't even getting a giant team anywhere near full strength. Yeah. And Saquon Barkley shows up, pops up on the injury report with a neck injury. So, I mean, that, that is the key one um but you know they have so many injuries coming in that you know aren't playing Xavier McKinney and uh Dory Jackson's probably not going Leonard Williams is probably not going to play these are these are good players um and one of the reasons they got off to uh the six and one start a lot of the reasons um yeah they're banged up we we talked to Pat Leonard about that yesterday that's been one of the issues with the Giants trying to figure out this uh, problem that the Eagles have seemingly solved as far as game management, getting people uh, healthy from week to week to week. Now, certain injuries are just going to pop up. You're going to get hurt in a football game, torn ACL. There's nothing, there's nothing you can do about that. But um, when you have all these sort of injuries, whether it's soft tissue, and we, we talked about it many years here in Philadelphia during the Doug Peterson era, when it seemed, at least it seemed like the Eagles would get too many soft tissue injuries and you know what are they doing wrong what are they i don't know if they're doing anything wrong and and we we football people i say this all the time jody with different reasons the turnover ratio football people don't like the word luck um and i think injuries are luck i do at least in part sure yeah i do i think it's you know i there's no there's no magic uh, uh, bullet. There's no, there's no right way to do it. Now, look, you you can, you, you can use better nutrition and 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 better rehab techniques. I th- I think the rehab of injuries is more important than you know the preventative because you know Aponte Maddox. Let's use him as an example because he's probably going to return this week. He's in great shape. He keeps himself in phenomenal condition. Uh, and he pulls his hamstring in, in, in Houston. And, you know, pretty significant hamstring pull. Um, and he's a fast guy. So it's a bigger deal, um, a hamstring injury for a fast guy than, say, an offensive lineman. It, the, the rehab and getting him back, and it looks like he's going to only miss four games. To me, that's the more important part that maybe you could handle a little bit better. And I don't know what's going on with the Giants as far as that goes, but 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 the actual injuries, I mean, you know, a lot, lot of players like to give credit to to God when they play well. Well, you know, maybe you got to give credit to your God when, you know, the luck doesn't go your way. Understood. And you mentioned uh, Vante coming back to practice yesterday, was quoted as saying, not only felt good, felt great. So it looks like he's going to be a go. I'll give Josiah Scott credit. He held down the fort. Did he wow us with his play? No, but 
did he make us scream and yell, oh, my God, how did Howie Roseman not have better backup at the slot corner? No, he held his own, did a, did a solid job for the Eagles while uh, Avante <laughs> Maddox was out. He's one of those cross-trained guys who's played a couple different positions with uh, C.J. Gardner-Johnson not being close to returning at least two weeks away. Um, he going to factor in at the safety position mix at all? Or it's back to the bench for Josiah Scott because Avante Maddox is good to go. Oh, it's back to the bench. And, uh, you know, it's more likely that, you know, it's not a rotational position, but maybe because of the injury, maybe, you know, Avante usually plays a lot when he does play. He's essentially a starter Yep. Um, as a nickel corner. So maybe if it turns into a 65 snap game defensively, maybe you don't want him out there for 60, you know, 55, 60, then maybe Josiah gets some uh, work in, in that manner. But Reed Blankenship has played too well um, to, to pull the plug on him. Um, even Kayvon Wallace has, has, you know, been a disappointment, but in, in recent weeks when he's gotten his opportunities, he's played better. And these are natural safeties uh, who understand the position a little bit better. And look, maybe if they were playing Kansas City or Buffalo and they had a quarterback or an offense that was had the ability to take advantage of, of, of maybe some holes in the pass defense down the field, uh, maybe there would be a chance if, if Reed played poorly and, and you just tried to put the veteran in there to calm things down. But the Giants... You know, Daniel Jones has improved. We've talked about that. I think the, the biggest part of Daniel Jones this year, too, well, the running, he's very big. The Eagles are going to get a little bit of a taste of their own medicine with the RPO game. Um, that's number one. Number two, uh, hasn't turned the football over like he used to. I mean, this guy was a turnover machine early in his career, and he's protected the football much better. Um but while I say that, they just don't have the weapons to 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 stress you downfield. They just don't. Um, so I don't think you're going to see Reed Blankenship giving up four touchdowns. So there's going to be no reason to go away from Reed Blankenship. If Daniel Jones isn't throwing INTs, which you're right, Jalen Hurts has three. Daniel Jones only has four for the entire year. So he has cut way back on that. Uh, you know what that means? Another massive day for put returning maven Britton Covey who got the job done and gave the Eagles good field position last week maybe he has another uh, breakout game we'll see yeah, I don't know week. much about the Giants punter but to me it has to do with like I said that kid in Tennessee has such a strong leg and he hasn't figured out that all right the the the, the job isn't to kick it as far as you can kick it on every single punt um you know, there's more to punting and he would just out kick his coverage and they had so much room. So a couple things that with Britton Covey, I think people jumped the gun and said, he can't do this. He stinks and that, you know, the Eagles had bad special teams and in block. Well, they were facing good punters who understood who didn't give them opportunities. They got a bunch of opportunities against Tennessee and they, they took advantage of it, but you're not going to get that every week. You're just no. not. But one thing that always will increase the number of potential opportunities is the number of punts. And I think the Giants could do a lot of punting this week. He's John McMullen. I'm Jody McDonald. Uh, we've got 
a good bud, Paul Domowitz from the 33rd team and jacobsports.com jumping in with us next. Birds 365 rolling along on a football Friday. At Pond Lee Hockey, we've recovered billions of dollars for our clients, and we're confident we can do the same for you. With over 250 years of combined courtroom experience, we've helped over 100,000 injured clients obtain some of the largest settlements in Pennsylvania. One conversation is all it takes to help you and your family get back on track. If you've been injured in an accident, give Pond Lee Hockey a call. Jim Gardner is an icon. A Philadelphia treasure. He's a mentor, a pace setter. Jim is my North Star. He's trusted, revered, appreciated. He is Action News. He's compassionate, honest, and fair. He is extremely dedicated, motivated, and always seeking the truth. He's also funny. We are a team of many. Jim Gardner is our leader, and we're lucky to have him. Go passionately. Go fearlessly. Go confidently. Go first! <clears throat> Go confidently towards your goals with First Trust, Philly's hometown bank for nearly 90 years, and the official bank of the Philadelphia Eagles. We're focused on getting you over the goal line. So go with conviction. Go with trust. Go first! And go forward with us by your side. First Trust Bank, the official bank of Philadelphia dreams. Oh. And go birds. We all know that taxes are just part of life. It's true during our working years, but also in retirement. But what you might not know is up to 85% of your Social Security benefits might be taxed. Our team at Thrive Financial has helped retire thousands of people across the Delaware Valley by asking questions they never knew they needed to ask including how their Social Security benefits might be taxed. It's time to be proactive on taxes. Get your Thrive Retirement Tax Playbook today. Mega Mac guys here on Birds 365. Let's make it a three shot. Uh, joining us from the 33rd team and jacobsports.com. You'll get his stat pack later today. Our bud, Paul Domwich, jumps in with us here on Birds 365. Domo, I brought this up with John. Uh, you're an even better guy to bring it up with. The rivalry between the Giants and the Eagles. A little bit different now a tie between the two coaches, their coach, knowing Jalen Hurts from college, is the rivalry lesson because the familiarity between certain key players in this game on Sunday? 
I think so. But, you know, you still have two teams that are playoff contenders here, uh, which isn't always the case when they play. A lot of times one team is much better than the other. So I think that plays into it. It's going to, you know, I think it doesn't have that we hate the other team type of uh, uh, stigma to it. But, uh, you know, I think it's going to be an exciting game because, you know, because of the fact that both of these teams are in the same division and both are good. Yeah. So to speak. You know, there, there's another, there was a great commercial with Alec Baldwin and John Krasinski. It was, you know, Baldwin's a, a Yankees fan and, and John's a Red Sox fan. And that was back when the Yankees were dominating the Red Sox. And they were going back and forth talking trash and saying, Ken, and, and Baldwin said, Kindling doesn't have a rivalry with fire um, because the Yankees would dominate the Red Sox at the time. Um, the, the the Eagles have dominated the Giants. I mean, I think it's 22 and 6, Domo. Uh, the last 28 games have gone Philadelphia's way. You know, it's tough to have a rivalry with, with the Kindling. <laughs> the Eagles have dominated this team. I don't get yeah. the sense of the rivalry anymore. Yeah. You know, you go back to the 70s with the Eagles and the Cowboys. I mean, you know, yeah. the Eagles – the Eagles were like uh, gum on the bottom of the Cowboys' shoe. The exactly. Cowboys didn't recognize them as any kind of special rival, but, you know, Eagles fans just despise the Cowboys. You know, th- you're right about the domination. I mean, you put the word miracle in front of, uh, of this series because there's been so many of them with, you know, going back to uh, Herm Edwards and, and Brian Westbrook and Deshaun Jackson. Yeah, it, it, it has been – uh, a dominance for the Eagles, but I do think the Giants have have turned the corner. So we look at the, the as far as you know at the top of the organization. We look uh, post Tom Coughlin essentially, and you know it's been Ben McAdoo, and they had Spags there for an interim coach. They had Pat Shermer, who's a good guy, but probably not good offensive coordinator. Probably not uh, a good head coach in this league. Joe Judge didn't work out just mistake after mistake after mistake. I think they finally got it right with Brian Dayball and, and Joe Shane as the GM. I, before the season started, Damo, I thought this was a team that said, all right, we stink. We're going to rebuild. And all of a sudden they're six and one. Now they yeah. haven't, they haven't won since, but they, they've won one game since I think October 23rd. So it's come back to the, demean a little bit but it's still pretty impressive what what brian dayball is doing with this team yeah you know and i I think at the beginning of the year maybe you know joe shane at least was thinking this is going to be a rebuild year i I, you know i think if you if you put these guys on a you know on a lie detector they would admit that they're shocked by their success this year to this point um a lot of it's had to do with their schedule uh, you know, a lot of it's had to do with the improved play of Daniel Jones. A lot of it's had to do with Saquon Barkley and, and, and a much improved defense. Um, and they, But they've overcome, you know, a lot of deficiencies. They got the worst receiving core in the league. They've got a, an offensive line that's a work in progress. And, and yet, you know, here they are, what, 7-4-1? and one? Yeah, 7-4-1. and one. And, hey, if the playoffs started today, They'd be uh, in. the Giants would be there. Yeah, I mean, not only in there, they'd be the second uh, wild card. Yeah, yeah. 
And when you haven't made the playoffs for as long as the Giants have, you take any position that you're going to get in the playoffs at this stage. Um, yeah, they got this game. Then they're right back at the Commanders the week after. And I think that actually is going to be the determinant as to who's going to make the playoffs or not. The team that wins is definitely in. The team that loses is probably going to be out and going to have to fight their way back in. Uh, the one thing that I thought the Giants showed in the first six weeks of the season was a toughness and a grittiness. It's kind of evaporated over the last couple of weeks. Is this a kind of tested game for Brian Dave? A lot of people singing his praises, calling him coach of the year a month and a half into the season. Um, th- what has he got to reestablish? What do the Giants have to reestablish in this game against Eagles? Well, this is a tough game to call a test because, you know, they're, they're, they're obviously a, a pretty obvious underdog. Um, you know, I mean, they need to keep it a close game into the fourth quarter and, and, and see what happens then. Um, you know, but I, you know, it's funny, uh, a few weeks back, I looked at this, you know, two games left Eagles giants. I figured, you know, the way the giants were playing at the time, maybe a, a split would be the best you could hope for. If you're the Eagles, that, that if they were going to lose a game, it was going to be to these guys, uh, now I'm not so sure. Now, I, you know, I mean, what we're going to see Sunday is, I mean, Wink Martindale is going to send the house every obvious oh, yeah. pass. He's coming off uh, the bus, Domo. Yeah. yeah. I mean, if 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 Jalen doesn't handle that well, uh, then it's a game. Uh, if he rips them apart, if, they, if they're able to run against blitzes, if he's able to take off, you know, we could have a route. So this could go either way. I don't think it's going to affect the perception of either the team or Dable, though, this season, I mean, they'd still be seven, five, and one, and and still playing way above what people thought. So let me double down on that. Um, last week, Jalen threw the ball for three hundred eighty yards. AJ goes off on his former team. The week before that was all about the running game. Big part of that being Jalen himself. That's one of the prices you pay if you blitz and don't get home. There is open field in front of that quarterback. If I set the over-under it, Mr. for Mr. Hertz, it rushing at 99 and a half on Sunday. Domwich going over or under? A little under. I don't think he's going to have a 100-yard day, but, I mean, he's going to take advantage of some of these blitzes. But, you know, Martindale, they do it a lot, so they're not reckless. I mean, they know how to blitz and, and not, like, leave wide-open lanes for the quarterback to run. Yeah, so. but they're, they're not blitzing uh, Jalen Hurts these last two months. They've been no, blitzing some right. uh, stay-at-home quarterbacks. That's, that's not going to affect Martin. Wink is used to it in practice, though, from yeah. Baltimore. Yeah. I mean, from yeah. uh, Lamar, right? Yeah. No, they're going to be coming after him. Um, yeah, he's been okay against the blitz. Not great. He's middle of the pack, maybe, uh, in the league. Uh, much better than last year. But, you know, their offensive line is so much better than, you know, I mean, blitz those guys. You better have numbers. You better – be able to take advantage of a, you know, Kenny Gainwell who misses a, a blitz pickup or something like that. Um, you know, one thing that I'm not going to say concerns me about Jalen cause he's, he's playing at an MVP level, but even last week when he used his running backs in the passing game, he still doesn't want to. I mean, he's still like, no. I mean, there was one play where Kenny Gainwell was standing wide open in the middle of the field. All you had to do was dump it to him. And, and Jalen didn't want to. I mean, he was like holding, 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 and then finally he did, and and, and yeah. Kenny gets a 14-yard gain. But it's not Jalen's mentality, and it's going to have to be maybe on Sunday because, you know, he's going to be rushed. Yeah. 
he can usually get more than a running back. That's sort of his mentality. That just dump it yeah. off to the running back. But it was nice to see Kenny Gainwell get going at least a little bit in that game. Everybody got going in. Britton Covey got going in that game. So uh, they destroyed the Titans. Um, but, you know, we've had this sort of uh, theme of the season, revenge games. And last week it was A.J. Brown. And that was a legit revenge game for A.J. Brown because he was not happy how things ended. Uh, with Tennessee, obviously, and the Eagles are out there getting first place GM fired, uh, which was crazy. Um, but this week it's James Bradbury. James doesn't seem to care. He really doesn't seem to care. Um, understands why the Giants had to move on, uh, salary cap issues. Um, he's been an unbelievable fit for the Eagles. I mean, um, most passes defended in the NFL. Uh, Sauce Gardner, Jody's guy, rookie, uh, probably defensive rookie of the year. Then James Bradbury second. Uh, opposing passer rating when targeted. J.C. Horn, number one. By the way, he'd be here if he fell in the draft. Uh, Eagles loved him. Uh, James yeah. Bradbury, number two. Uh, opposition completion percentage. J.C. Horn's first, Sauce Gardner's second, James Bradbury's third. James Bradbury has been so good for the Eagles. But I want to throw this out even to Giants fans, if any are on here and listening and get your thoughts, Damo. I don't think he'd be great with the Giants because they have Wink Martindale, and they are blitzing all the time. He's perfect for what the Eagles do. I think it's worked out for both sides in a weird way. And James yeah. doesn't seem to care about the revenge factor. But how good has he been for this team? When you He's talk about James up. Bradbury and Darius Slay. Yeah. I mean, you you know, last year it was, you know, you had Slay and you kind of held your breath on the other corner with uh, – Steven Steve Nelson was okay, but, you know. Yeah, but he's not but he's like a guy this guy. Yeah. yeah, I mean, now you've got two solid corners, and it, it just it, it just reduces the options for a quarterback, especially a quarterback who's under pressure like most of the quarterbacks have been against the Eagles this year. Uh, you know, Jonathan Gannon, he takes so much heat, and yet he knows how to maximize the ability of every player on that field when they're out there, uh, which is why I think he's such a good defensive coach. Yeah, it's weird how much heat he takes. So uh, let, let me ask both you guys a question for next season. Let's say with the season that they've had, Bradbury and Chauncey Gardner-Johnson both slot in as the eighth, tenth highest played, paid player at their position. They're going to be free agents. That jumps everybody's money up coming off a good season. And I don't think you can argue they both had very good seasons. If you're the Eagles, which one is more important that you keep, Bradbury or uh, Johnson? Well, what's the age on them, John? Uh, uh, Chauncey's significant 24, 25-ish. Yeah. Uh, Bradbury's 29. He's going to turn 30. I would say Chauncey, uh, because of the age, uh, because of the versatility, I mean, as good as Bradbury's played, you know, they're in a situation with, you know, with the draft, multiple first-round picks, I think they can get a top corner. Um, 
So I would say Chauncey Gardner. But, you know, here's the thing. Couldn't you just as easily get a top safety, Dama? Yeah, yeah. But, I mean, we've seen – I mean, the guy's got – was leading the league in picks when he when he got hurt. Uh, there's something special about him. You know, Bradbury's very good. He's having a terrific year. I don't think you would, you know, I don't think you're going to say this guy is ever going to make the Hall of very good. Um, he's just played really, really well this year. Um, and But here's here's the thing. You know, we've seen reports. See, the, the salary cap is, is going to take a huge jump this year which eliminates a lot of the hard thinking uh, that teams are going to have to do as far as, well, can we, can we sign a new, can we sign this, you know, can we sign Jalen Hurts and still sign three other guys to big contracts? They, you know, they may be able yeah, to. But, they, uh, Damo, let me just break in there because I've heard that a bunch. And here's why I at least somewhat disagree with that. Because while the salary cap is going to go up, I think everyone's assuming the quarterback pay is going to stay the same. They're the first guys who are getting the bump. So that percentage, so when we see the quarterback contracts right now, the percentage is what it is. That's not going to stop. If if they get $20 million more on the cap, well, the quarterbacks are first. They're getting the 20% bump. So everything kind of, you just have more money but you still have the same allocation if I'm making here's, any sense. Here's the thing. Number one, I, I'm not so sure that they're going to sign Jalen Hurts right away because I don't think he's going to be – he's going to wait until he gets an offer he really, really likes because of the you know the, the bargaining he position he's going in. You know, they still have him for another year on his contract. You know, you got two years with franchising a guy. I mean, so it, it's, it's, it's a mistake to jump into – make the conclusion – that suddenly next year they're not going to have money to work with. Second thing is Jalen will work with them, I think. Not that he's going to take any less, but structuring a deal that maybe the first two years of, a, of his deal aren't going to uh, you know, take a lot of their cap room, which will then allow that. Because he, he knows this is, the, this is the time. This is when, you know, the next two, three, four years, they've got, you know, they've got a chance to win one Super Bowl, maybe more. Uh, so he's going to do everything I think possible to help that without shortchanging his, his, you know, his bank account. Domo, a couple weeks ago here on Bird 365, and you might have been in on it with us. Um, we all wondered how the hell are they going to replace Dallas Goddard? If there's mm-hmm. a guy that can't be replaced on the Philadelphia Eagles, it's Goddard because the Eagles' backup tight ends are what they are. They're just nowhere near the talent level of a Dallas Goddard, where at other positions, Eagles have very good depth and the talent drop-off is not as significant. Yeah, they scored 40 points and 35 points the last two weeks. I guess they haven't missed Dallas Goddard near as much as some of us worried they were going to. Are they going to tap into that again? Are they? Uh, and I gave this stat yesterday. Uh, you may or may not have heard it. The first time the Eagles have scored five offensive touchdowns in back-to-back weeks since 1981, the Jaws led Eagles back in the year after the Super Bowl. The last time they scored 35 back-to-back games. Can they make it three in a row? And if so, how will they do so? Is it the wide receivers? Is it a Miles Sanders breakout game? Is it Jalen? You said he's going to be held to 90-something. I'm going over 100, so I'm, I'm suggesting it's him with his legs more than anything else. Can they keep it up and score five touchdowns again? They can, but I mean, you know, the Giants have a pretty good defense. So, I, you know, I think 
But then we said that about Tennessee last week. So, you know, yeah. I mean, it's, it's funny. I mean, Jack Stoll's played surprisingly well. You know, he's not catching a lot of passes, but he's been a solid blocker. They've played almost exclusively 11 personnel since, since Dallas uh, got hurt. And, you know, Quez Watkins has become a, a factor. You know, last week, you, you know, we were talking about the running backs earlier. I mean, they caught, I think, I think Sanders and, and, and Kenny Gainwell combined for like five catches. Uh, and then, you, you know, then you factor in the run game. Uh, they've just, they've got so many options in so, you know, not only in the passing game, but the running game that, you know, you, you can, you can take out one of the best tight ends in the game for a few weeks. And, and it's like, they're, they don't even miss them. It's just, it's, yeah. it's just, uh, I think it speaks to their talent and, and the fact that, you know, it all starts with that offensive line. Uh, you know, they've been able to, 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 to move on with, you know, without the help of Dallas in the running game. Um, you know, they're just so good and they've managed to stay healthy for the most part. So <laughs> this off, I, yeah, I mean, you start, you start to think about special seasons, Damo, because I, yeah. You know, I was like, well, Avante went down. Josiah Scott's going to be an issue. And he yeah. gave up some plays in Indianapolis, but he held down the fort. And then even more so, Reed Blankenship, um, undrafted kid from Middle Tennessee State. Chauncey Gart, we talked about Chauncey's leading the NFL in interceptions. You go, wow, that's a big down yeah. take. He's played better than Chauncey, at least <laughs> from the film. If you look at Pro Bowl. He's played better, very small sample size against offenses yeah. that can't really stress you. But he's played better than on a play-to-play basis than CJ. Yeah, uh, smart kid. I think, what, what's, I mean, what is going tech- on here? Yeah. You know, it's funny. You go back to 2017, guys. I mean, Carson Wentz goes down in L.A. Coliseum, and it's like, it's over. You know, yeah. season's gone. And here comes Nick Foles, you know, spends the last two weeks of the season kind of getting the rust off and then goes into the playoffs and has, you know, a playoffs for the ages. I mean, I, I think his third down passer rating in the in the, in the playoffs in, in those three games was like 140. I mean, it was just yeah. amazing. Yeah. And Foles yeah. Uh, for, forever will be uh, remembered for coming off the bench and doing what he's done. So go ahead, uh, take shots at me, Eagles fans here. Let's say Jalen turns an ankle. If uh, Uh-oh, in the that's second turn quarter the of this game, Jalen, hey, at least saw, uh, the, the the backup quarterback with didn't the crappy get in turf. And he Met got Life a, That's right, some bad turf up there at MetLife Stadium. Is the Eagle backup quarterback good enough to come in and beat a giant team if he's got to play more than a half on Sunday, uh, Damo? I mean, Gardner Minshew has more starting experience than most backups. Um, you know, he's not Jalen Hurts, but they can win with him, and they would adjust. The, they would they would adapt the, the 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 you know the game plan to to fit him. Yeah, they could win with him. Uh, you, you don't want to. I mean, because Jalen's so special and is having such a special season. Uh, but Minshew's uh, Minshew's proven that he can play in this league. He can start in this league. Uh, it's killing him that he's, you know, sitting on the bench and, but yeah. uh, he, you know, Can't he's going to Nick's office this year. Hey, Nick. Yeah. When you, when, you see what's, when you see what's happening around the league with some of the backups, although, you know, <laughs> the Rams sign Baker Mayfield and he goes out there and looks like an all pro Sunday, but, or right, yesterday, but Josh, but, Josh McDaniels, by the way, should be embarrassed. I mean, he loses to, to Jeff Saturday with, 
whatever, five days of prep, whatever it was. And then he <laughs> loses the big Baker Mayfield just got there, just got off the plane. I, I, I how do you lose that yeah. game? Yeah. Ah, it's unbelievable. Yeah. Um, I, I do want to talk about the quarterback here though, because and Jody brings up that game. Um well, he brings up the sprained ankle. That's where Jalen Hurts hurt his ankle. MetLife Stadium, the Giants game, which happened to be his worst game as a starting quarterback in this league. Um, Eagles lost at 13 to 70 at three interceptions. Still should have won it, by the way, if Jalen Rager could have caught the football. Yeah. Um, but he he had a really poor game. He, you know, he'll admit that. Um since that day. He has won 14 of 15 starts in the regular season. Over the last 18 games, a full season, he's 16 and two as a starting quarterback. I, you know, I don't think wins and losses are a quarterback stat because uh, so much goes into winning a football game. But he's a big part of that. And that is a big sample size, a full season. I didn't see it coming, Domo. I didn't see it coming, but I but I'll say this: if this is a ceiling, that's good enough, right? You don't have to play better than this. He's one of the best players in the league. If he just settles into this and can do this consistently, week in, year in, year out. You're right, but I don't think this is as good as it gets. I mean, I, I wow. think his ceiling still is higher. Um, you know, I think. You know, I, the, the longer he's in this offense, the, the more natural – I mean, it, it is natural to him, but, I mean, decisions are going to be even quicker. Um, I mean, I just – you know, I believed in this kid since, you know, since they threw him in there two years ago, uh, as raw as he was. I mean, people were telling me he's not accurate enough. Well, now he's up to what's his, – his, his completion percentage since last year went up six, seven points. So, he's one of the best deep throwers. League, by the way yeah he's, he's got he's he, he's got 10 last year he had three deep throw touchdown passes three three touchdown passes five interceptions this year we're 12 games in he's already got 10 and one interception I mean uh, granted having AJ Brown has helped uh, but that's why you that's why you bring in a guy like AJ Brown you know I, I give Howie all the credit not only because AJ Brown has the talent level he does but he knew these guys had a relationship and that's become important in the trust level and how quickly it developed between them. Uh, and, and, you know, same thing with Devonta Smith. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I, I still think he's, he, he's going to get better. I mean, we have not seen the, the best of Jalen Hurts yet. I guess I'm scary going back to the conversation. Scary. Let me read uh, trace to a conversation we had earlier, Damo, because I think John and I were more on the same page. You were on a uh, more understanding page or Eagles positive page. <laughs> if the Eagles make it to a Super Bowl, we won't even give them a Super Bowl, but they make it to a Super Bowl. And we won't give it, even give Jalen Hurts the MVP. Let's say he's the runner-up to Patrick Mahomes. And his agent walks in this year and says, well, the cap went up. We're several years down the line. We need Patrick Mahomes' contract. That's where we start the negotiation, Sowie Roseman, with what Mahomes is making. He's about as uh, highly held in regard athlete as there is here in Philadelphia right now. What happens if the Eagles aren't getting a contract done? Because the 
ask is as big as it is. And guess what? It's not an outrageous ask. If he runs yeah. number two to Mahomes in the MVP and they go to a Super Bowl, he can realistically say, I need to be paid as much as Mahomes does. How's that going to play here in Philadelphia? Well, I mean, you, you, nobody's down in Baltimore right now saying why, you know, uh, uh, asking that question about Lamar. Baltimore's not 11 and 1. Nobody's no, mentioning but, Lamar uh, Jackson as an MVP this year. Both of those things are happening here in Philadelphia, Damo. Lamar wanted a, wants a fully guaranteed contract. I don't know what Jalen is going to want. He's certainly it's it's certainly going to be a, a Mahomes like contract, but there are people that don't like Mahomes' contract. I mean, it's what ten years, eleven years. Most, I mean, actually, like most contracts, it looks pretty good now. Now, now, because yeah. it keeps you yeah. know going yeah. up and up and up. Very, yeah, so. even from the beginning, it looked club friendly. So yeah, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. You know, all I'm saying is there's nothing to be taken from the fact if he if he doesn't if they don't uh, negotiate a, a a second contract right away, I don't think that that means anything negative for either side. Uh, I don't think there's any hurry. Uh, there might be for Jalen from the standpoint that obviously he wants to get guaranteed money in his pocket uh, in case he gets hurt or something happens. But you know, I just. I think both sides are going to be very careful about this. This is a going to be a huge deal. Plus, here, here's the the factor. You know, I mentioned Lamar Jackson. You've also got Joey Burrow and uh, Justin Herbert who are up for new deals. So, do you want to jump the you know jump the shark here and and be the first guy? Do you want to wait and see what they get? You know, if you're the MVP of the Super Bowl, do you, does it affect whether you want to wait or sign quickly? Those are factors I'm. St I still don't know yet. Uh, I know he's not going to get cheated. I know he's going to make a lot of money. I just don't know if it's going to be like next March. Yeah. Uh, at P Damo, follow Paul on Twitter, thirty-thirdteam.com, uh, JacobSports.com. Check out his stats package every week. There. I want to get Eagles fans riled up on your way out. Uh, <laughs> I talk about this offense. This offense is great. You know, Jalen. Right now should be the MVP. We still got five weeks to go. We'll see how it shakes out. They've been giving out player of the week awards, I think, since 84. Um, first Eagle to win two in a row. Um, it's a big sample size. They have the best offensive line in football. A.J. Brown is tremendous. Dallas Goddard's coming back. He's one of the best tight ends in football. It is unbelievable. I say the defense is better. I say the defense is better than the offense. I, I brought up the cornerbacks. T.J. Edwards is the most underrated player on this team. He is having an unbelievable season um, at, at, at middle linebacker, sort of the quarterback of the defense. They're second in sacks. They're first in turnovers. C.J.'s coming back. I think the defense is better than the offense. Am I crazy? Boy. Yeah. No, I wouldn't say crazy. Uh, <laughs> uh, it's good. It's not, I, you know, I don't, the offense is special. The defense is very, very good. Um, you know, the thing I like about the defense is you look at their numbers when they do things. I mean, they, you mentioned the, the, the turnover. Yeah, you, yeah. You, you mentioned the turnovers and the sacks. 
they lead the league in interceptions on third down with yeah. eight. They, they lead the league in sacks on third down with, I think, 22 now. Uh, you know, when they need a big play, they get it. Uh, you know, so, I, yeah, I mean, it's a very, very good defense. I just think if you're asking me to compare the two, I, I would still give the nod right now to that, to that offense that I think can score on anyone where the defense, I think, could have a be- you know there there could be a bad but day. That's and there's my, some- that's that's my point, Tomo. Everything is skewed in the modern NFL. Like everybody compares, and and the reason not everybody, but a large portion of the fan base that doesn't like Gannon, they're comparing it to the Buddy Ryan days, the Jim Johnson days. You can't play defense. So in this environment, the Eagles play defense better than anybody else. But everything skewed towards the offense. Yeah. So I think good offense does beat good defense in the modern NFL. But I think when you compare the Eagles to everybody else, I think there's Kansas City and there's Buffalo offensively. You know, that can do everything yeah. offensively like the Eagles, maybe even better at times. Defensively, I don't know if anybody does any, anything better than the Eagles. Yeah, I mean, Kansas San Francisco's in the conversation. Yeah, I think in the San conversation. You think the Eagles defense is better than San Francisco's defense? Well, San Francisco's number one. The Eagles are number two um, overall. That, that, that pretty much says it right there, doesn't it? But, well, the Eagles are in the number three offense. So, you know, they're not no, number two. We were just two. talking about defense. Yeah, but I'm saying, what what did the Eagles, Adamo just brought up, situation. They lead in sacks. They have more sacks. They have more turnovers. They turn the football over more. So there's more that, yes, San Francisco's number one overall, Philadelphia's number two. Eagles you know are number three a, offensively. You know, it's a phenomenal defensive number that I, I, I didn't realize till yesterday. In a league where, you know, you throw a deep pass, the flag's coming out almost, seems like yeah. almost every play now. The Eagles have four defensive pass interference uh, penalties this year. Wow. Four. Is that it? Yeah. Uh, four, they got is four. Yeah, I mean, there's some holdings in defensive holdings or illegal contact. Uh, I don't know why. There's know, some uh, reputation involved there. When you're a good yeah. player, you know, like Slay, you go back to the Justin Jefferson game. Slay could have had four interceptions in that game. He also could have had four or five pass interferences in that game. They were letting him play. <laughs> so, rep at Bradbury's the same way. He's so savvy. He's football. He gets away with some stuff, but they, yeah. that, that's part of it, though. When you build up your reputation to that point, there's nothing wrong with it. So that's a great stat, Damo. And you get that Damo stat pack on uh, jacobsports.com included in there. Will be a prediction or no, whether there is or not. I'm going to need one out of you here, Mr. Dom, which sounds to me like you believe the Eagles are going to win. The question is how handily. Well, you know, you said you mentioned the five interceptions or, or five touchdowns earlier. I'm going to go with four, maybe 31 to 13. See, defense better than the offense. <laughs> if they win 31 to only 13, four, four defense and offense? Only I, four touchdowns. I was joking. Only they four only touchdowns. Four. All right. Uh, Dom, always a pleasure, buddy. Appreciate always it whenever you hop, hop in, bud. Uh, thanks for doing so. We'll get you back up in a couple of weeks. Enjoy your weekend, including Eagles Giants. Thanks. Take care, guys. Thanks for having me. Paul Dobbins here with us on uh, Birds 365. Damn.
he's so close to my score. It's uh, scary. Johnny Mac, no, you got to run. You got to get over and uh, listen to what Coach Sirianni has to say, including his uh, bromance with the head coach of the New York Giants. Um, before you go, you must lay a score on us. Uh, you, for the first time last week, picked against the Eagles. I had done so once. That was against the Cardinals. And they could have lost that game if they had a uh, if they didn't have the better of the two replacement kickers that day. Um, you uh, took the shot last week with uh, Tennessee. Not close. Neither one of us is going to the Giants this week. About a month ago, I'll say, looking ahead at the schedule, you always do, you do it every single week. Where could a loss come in? Where could a loss? That's where I fell into that trap with Tennessee. You did. And a month ago, I could have fallen into that trap with the Giants here in this game. Because I they they started to make me believe. Did I think they were going to the Super Bowl? No. But could this team, Giants, win double-digit game 10 or 11? And they still can. But they've surely come back down to earth. So there's no way I'm going to pick them to beat the Eagles this week. But a month ago... I might have told you if she said, Jody, they're going to lose one of these games in here. Which one do you think it is? It was going to be the giant game over the bear game or the at home Tennessee game or the indie game. Well, and then now it's uh, the game this week. I'm picking the Eagles. I'm sure you are too. How do you think it plays itself out? What do you think the score is going to yeah, be? Yeah, I think it's pretty easy win. I think the Giants, the Giants are talent deficient to begin with, and they're still rebuilding the roster. Uh, I'm, as I mentioned, I think Brian Dayball's done a tremendous job. Joe Shane as well. Um, I think they're headed in the right direction, but they need, you know, a couple off seasons to to replenish the talent. And they started already with um, Kayvon Thibodeau and Evan Neal. Andrew Thomas is finally starting to play like a, a legit, you know, elite left tackle. There's a lot of good things. Xavier McKinney, when he gets back, um, he's injured now. Uh, we'll see what they do with Saquon Barkley, but, uh, yeah, they're just not good enough. They're just not, uh, it, it would have to be a game like it was last year where Jalen just turns it over all the time, three interceptions, no touchdowns. That's not going to happen. He's improved to such a degree. I have a 31, 18 Eagles. I think it's going to be pretty easy. Um, and I'm not falling into that same goopy trap that I, fell in last week i'm embarrassed by that jody embarrassed right. uh you you've only picked eagles to win 12 out of 11 out of 12 times shame on you john mcmullen yeah same as me um that's funny Damo gave his score john gave his score i'm gonna give mine um three weeks ago against the colts i predicted a 31 20 eagles victory it didn't happen but they won the game last um what game am i forgetting in between Tennessee. Tennessee. No, uh, uh, Washington. Uh, they play, I don't have the Eagles. Uh, they, they, the, that's their one loss, obviously, Washington. Um, <laughs> oh, the Green Bay game, the one in between Indianapolis and Tennessee. I predicted the Eagles would score 31 points. I went back to the same exact score, 31-20, two weeks in a row. I gave the same score. Neither of them happened, but sure enough, the Eagles won last game. Uh, those both those games. This week, this past week against Tennessee, I didn't think it would be as high scoring. I thought Tennessee's defense was bigger 
Uh, better, so I only gave Diesel's 26. But I Save big money on your outdoor project now at Menards. We have everything you need to keep your outdoor power equipment running smooth so you can keep that lawn in tip-top shape or enjoy some time on your boat. Right now, all FVP, lawn and garden, and marine batteries are on sale through May 5th. Check out our entire selection of FVP batteries today and view our weekly flyer on Menards.com for more great deals. Adam winning 26-20. I'm going back to 31 points. I, I, I picked that two weeks running. I'm sticking with 31 points. McMullen said 31 points. Domowitz said 31 points. But I have that Eagle defense, which John just said is better than the offense, uh, basically shutting down the Giants. I think the Giants are going to do nothing offensively on Sunday. I think Daniel Jones goes back to being Daniel Jones. He'll have at least one turnover, if not two. Uh, on your wagering outlets, uh, prediction on a Daniel Jones interception, I guarantee you get at least even money on one pick because he's only thrown four all year. Oh, he's going to throw one on Sunday. 21-10, Eagles take care of and dismiss. And you know Bradbury's going to get it, Jody. Bradbury's going to get it. That's how the way things have been going. The stars uh, would, have aligned. Would not be surprised. Check your player prop wagering outlets, uh, oceans, uh, wherever else you may want to do your wagering. If they offer a James Bradbury anytime interception, I would say take the money and run. Johnny Max, got to run over and listen to the coach of the Eagles. Uh, partner, uh, good uh, trip up the turnpike on Sunday. Leave early enough so you don't get that MetLife traffic. Uh, and, and good luck getting home on the J New, New Jersey. Yeah. And it's going to rain, of course. Uh, Is it raining Sunday? Uh, supposed to be some rain late in the day. So right probably as I head back down the turnpike. That okay. tends to be how it happens. You'll get no sympathy from me. I've spent too many hours on the New Jersey turnpike and deluges of rain. Yes. Uh, yes. Suck it up. Get it done. Johnny, thanks for getting it done today, bud. All right. Thanks, Jody. All right, Johnny Mac's going to run out the door. I'm sticking around, and Tony Shields is going to hop in and uh, co-host the final hour with me. Uh, so uh, keep it right here. Coming up in, oh, less than 20 minutes now, we'll get our buddy Jeff Mosher from InsideTheEagles.com to come aboard here on Birds 365. At Pond Lee Hockey, we've recovered billions of dollars for our clients, and we're confident we can do the same for you. With over 250 years of combined courtroom experience, we've helped over 100,000 injured clients obtain some of the largest settlements in Pennsylvania. One conversation is all it takes to help you and your family get back on track. If you've been injured in an accident, give Pond Lee Hockey a call. Jim Gardner is an icon. A Philadelphia treasure. He's a mentor, a pace setter. Jim is my North Star. He's trusted, revered, appreciated. 
He is Action News. He's compassionate. Honest. And fair. He is extremely dedicated. Motivated. And always seeking the truth. He's also funny. We are a team of many. Jim Gardner is our leader. And we're lucky to have him. Go passionately. Go fearlessly. Go confidently. Go first! Go confidently towards your goals with First Trust, Philly's hometown bank for nearly 90 years, and the official bank of the Philadelphia Eagles. We're focused on getting you over the goal line. So go with conviction. Go with trust. Go first! And go forward with us by your side. First Trust Bank, the official bank of Philadelphia dreams. Oh, and go birds. We all know that taxes are just part of life. It's true during our working years, but also in retirement. But what you might not know is up to 85% of your Social Security benefits might be taxed. Our team at Thrive Financial has helped retire thousands of people across the Delaware Valley by asking questions they never knew they needed to ask, including how their Social Security benefits might be taxed. It's time to be proactive on taxes. Get your Thrive Retirement Tax Playbook today. Johnny Mac got the door, going over to Eagles Media, the availability to uh, hear what the coach has to say prior to this showdown game with the Giants and the Eagles. So, Tony Shields jumping in with me for hour number two. Uh, he'll uh, help me get you guys home and get prepped for the game coming up this weekend against the Giants. Don't uh, need your take. Now, you're a younger guy than either McMullen or myself. You <laughs> might have a different view on this than us. The rivalry that is the Giants and the Eagles. Johnny gave you the numbers. Uh, you draw your line wherever you want. The last two years, the last five years, the last ten years. Eagles have gotten the better of the Giants. There's, there's no arguing that. But the Giants have actually won two of the last three. So, again, if you want to draw your line wherever you want, you can you can make an argument. I think that's kind of uh, uh, fudging it a little bit to, to make a giant argument. But... Jalen Hurts did get beat in that building last year. Jalen Hurts did have his worst game as a Philadelphia Eagles starting quarterback there last year. How big does that play in this game coming up, the fact that Hurts is trying to rebound from his worst showing as an Eagle? Well, first things first, Jordy. It's always a pleasure working with you, my man, as always. Uh, but, you know, when it comes to Jalen Hurts, what makes him so special, right, is he knows how to not make it about him. He knows how to stay in the moment and trust and believe he doesn't he hasn't forgotten that game. He hasn't forgotten the fact that he laid an egg in MetLife. He threw three interceptions. He went 14, 14 for 31. He played terribly. And you can make an argument that was the worst game of his career. So I'm pretty sure internally he wants to slay that demon. He wants to slay that dragon. Right. But. Again, Jalen Hurts is one of those guys that he doesn't tend to make anything about him. He focuses on the moment. He focuses on the now. He doesn't He doesn't get too high. doesn't get too low. And I think that's one of his most domineering traits, the fact that he knows how to stay balanced. He knows how to stay even kill 
and just doesn't allow his emotions to get away from him. So um, I don't know how much it plays into it. I don't think it plays too much into it, but I still believe that he's highly motivated to continue the momentum that the Philadelphia Eagles have uh, built thus far. I think you're dead on right about that because that's what's made him an MVP candidate is the fact that he can narrow focus. He can keep his attention to what is presently in front of him and not worry about what's happened before and or look too far ahead. He has uh, shown the ability to just stay in the moment uh, and he'll be in it against the Giants on Sunday. And the other thing that I, I think heavily leans in the Eagles' favor is they're just better. They've got guys that you can point to and say, all right, you need a big play here. This guy's going to give you a big play. A.J. Brown, um, T.J. Edwards on defense, the new additions to the defensive line, Hassan Reddick coming off the edge. They got a bunch of guys who have just flat out made big plays all year long. Who do the Giants have who you would put into that guy? All right, you need a big play here on either offense. Who's the individual player? Yeah, I don't know who that guy is on the Giants. On either side of the ball, yeah. We got Saquon Barkley is one of the biggest highlight players in the National Football League. It's been a matter of months since he's had a highlight play, so it would have to come against the defense, which is playing dynamite football right now. I don't have a giant guy I can point to and say, hey, game hangs in the balance. Eagles are up by six, fourth quarter. This guy's going to make a defensive player. That guy's going to make an offensive play that's going to give the Giants the lead. I don't think they have that guy. Do you? No, I actually don't think they do. And you brought up a good point. Um, Saquon hasn't been himself lately. And he actually popped up on an injury report with a neck injury, like John McMullen mentioned. And in my opinion, when, when injuries involve the neck area, I tread lightly with those things. You know, the first the first person I think of when I think about a neck injury is uh Peyton Manny. And we saw what that did to his career, you know, and you know, in the in the latter stages. But you know, this Giants offense is fueled by Saquon Barkley's ability to run the ball and catch the ball out of the backfield. If Saquon Barkley isn't getting it done, the rest of this team isn't getting it done. Daniel Jones has not proven that he's a quarterback that's capable of elevating guys. He hasn't proven that he's capable of taking guys to another level and winning games. Now, granted, I want to give the Giants credit and the respect they deserve. They have some high-quality victories earlier on in the season. They beat the Baltimore Ravens. They beat the Packers. You know, but I think that was more so great coaching rather than great play. So to answer your question directly, Jody, I don't think they have a player that's going to catch that ball at a, you know, at a crucial third and long. Or um, I don't think they have a player that's going to be able to catch that, you know, catch that ball on a crucial fourth down conversion. You know, they, they, they're thin. They're thin everywhere. They're thin at cornerback. They're missing a Dory Jackson. They're thin at wide receiver missing. Um, they may be missing a Richie James. He was limited in practice. Um, they're just they're just not talented enough. It's it's unfortunate, but this is who they are. And I think they've peaked. I think they've I think they've hit their ceiling. And I think now they're they're just at that point where they're just trying to, you know, make their way into the playoffs as unscathed as they possibly can. But I just think this Eagle team, this Eagles team is just too much for them. They're not going to be able to keep up with them blow for blow. This Eagles team has proven that they're capable of putting up 30 plus points in regularity. Know that Barkley showed up on the injured uh, list yesterday as uh, limited with a neck. Th- that's key to me, limited. If if it was something severe with his neck, yeah. he's not even limited. He's out. So the fact that he was limited tells me 
Um, he'll be, he's going to play on Sunday. Now he takes a shot there and anything can happen, but I don't think the uh, Eagles going to get lucky enough that he's going to miss the game on Sunday. He's going to be in there, but just look at his last, I'll give you the quick rundown of Barkley's games this year. Went for 164 opening week against Tennessee. Basically won the game single-handedly for them. Uh, 71 the next week against Carolina. 81 against Dallas. 146 against the, the, the Bears. Came back with 70 against Green Bay. 83 against Baltimore. 110 against Jacksonville. 53 against Seattle. 152 against Houston. Yeah, Houston stinks, but 152 is 152. Last three weeks... 22 yards on 15 carries against Detroit, 39 yards on 11 carries against Dallas. And last week, okay, a little bit better, but not great. 63 yards on 18 carries in an overtime game, which lent itself to more carries. He hasn't had a bust out game in a month, Tone. Why would you think it would happen this week against a very good Eagle defense? I don't think it will. And this it's no mistake or it's no coincidence that the game against the Houston Texans was the game where he had the most touches, 35 touches at the running back position, his most touches of the season, and all of a sudden he's just plummeting. I don't think that's a mistake. I don't think that's a coincidence. He is, like I said, he is their offense. And because they're so limited talent-wise, when you rely on a guy that much, especially at the running back position, and especially a guy that's had an injury history the way he's had it, how can you put all your eggs in that basket? How can you expect a running back with a, with a plethora of injuries in his past to lead you and carry a team all the way to the finish line? It's a poor model, um, but I got to give Brian Dayball credit for maximizing the roster as is. You know, at the end of the day, this team is playing well above their means. And, you know, Saquon Barkley, he's having a great year, a, a, a great comeback season, you know, from previous seasons, you know, dealing with nagging injuries. You know, it's just it's just not a sustainable model. And I don't think anything changes this Sunday. Think about this Philadelphia Eagles run defense who's starting to actually find their way. Um, we talked about this, you know, many weeks ago, how the Philadelphia Eagles are actually going to have to go up against maybe the toughest stretch of their season because of the fact that because of their weakness in the running game and because they're going up against this gauntlet of talented running backs. It's ironic because their one loss of the season came against the weakest running back core. On you know in this stretch, you know they lost to Brian Robinson and Antonio Gibson, but they managed to limit um, Aaron Jones and uh, AJ Dillon to a degree. AJ Dillon was kind of killing those guys, but um, they managed to limit those guys for the most part. They managed to shut down Derrick Henry. Uh, so it's, it's it's just fascinating how this Eagles team is starting to figure out their run defense, and on top of that, they're figuring out special teams as well. Something that we thought was never going to get figured out. So this Philadelphia Eagles team is starting to get better and better as the season goes. And I just don't think the New York Giants have the capabilities to keep up with something like that. I don't think Saquon Barkley has it in him to be able to deal with all that beef on the Eagles defensive line. Agreed. And yeah, that Washington game is the only loss that the Eagles have had. And they got beat between the tackles in that game as far as the run defense goes. Saquon can go between the tackles, but still the thing you want to keep Saquon from doing is getting to the edge because he's got big playability if he uh, gets one-on-one with a defensive back on the outside. I I think that they will throw everything that they have at stopping Saquon Barkley 
Um, you know, that's my one one knock on Jonathan Gannon. Overall, I think Gannon is a uh, well above average defensive coordinator, but he can be a little bit stubborn. It'd be interesting to see. They they have not faced an individual guy this year like Saquon Barkley, where the rest of the offense was something you could underemphasize. That you could say, all right, well, we'll we'll let him take a chance. Gannon's overall philosophy is don't give up the big play. Don't get gashed. Don't worry about giving up three yards of carry. Just uh, make sure that nobody gets by. Do you have any fear that the Giants are going to get somebody behind this Eagle defense? I don't know that they need to play as many secondary players as they do. I would make sure that uh, the, if you keep Saquon Barkley under wraps, you're going to be able to hold the Giants to 10 points. That was my prediction. I'll stick with the 10 points. I think he shows some flexibility this week. Coach Gannon, how about you? I think he deploys the exact same game plan that he did against the Tennessee Titans. You know, it may not have seemed it, but if you pay attention, he was stacking the box a bit throughout that game, forcing Derrick Henry to run up against at least a seven-man box. And, you know, I just – I think at this point in the season, Jonathan Gannon see, understands the fact that, look, I have a lot of talented guys up there. And there's going to – I have to get out of my comfort zone. I think that was the that was the most amount of guys I've seen in the box at, a, at the rate I've seen it all year. You know, I, I I'll be honest. I was nervous last week about Derrick Henry. I was extremely nervous. Like he that 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 was poised to be everything. You know, as far as a get right game for him, because he was struggling. Him he was struggling as well, and that could have been a get right game for him because the Eagles' run defense has been suspect all season, and they're and they're still considered to be middle of the pack or even beyond that in terms of run defense. They're starting to get it together. Um, but to your point about to your point about uh, the skill position guys at the wide receiver position trying to take the top off the Philadelphia Eagles. It's not going to, ha- it's just not going to happen. You know, uh, they, they, they just don't have it, Jody. You know what I mean? It's, it's, it's unfortunate. And I think about the fact that they, they're missing CJ Garner Johnson, the Philadelphia Eagles. Yes, they're missing him. Right. But you think about a guy in Reed Blankenship who's been playing well above what we expected. You think about a guy like Marcus Epps who, at times can be a liability in coverage, but plays very physical and is for the most part steady. Um, they're getting Avante Maddox back for the most part. Um, honestly, and I'm curious, I'm curious to see what you may think about this as well. Um, Avante Maddox coming back, he's scheduled to come back this week, but do you feel the need to brush Avante Maddox back in this game in particular? I I'm not I'm not of the mindset where I feel like I need to rush Avante Maddox to deal with the New York Giants wide receiver core. I don't I don't I don't think it's that pressing. Well, I uh, it all comes down to your definition of the word rush. Uh, when Avante Maddox was 100% not dealing with the hamstring issue that he had, he was playing 80s, mid-80s percentage of the snaps. They do take their cover corner. When the other team goes to two tight end, they will from time to time take their uh, slot corner up the field. 75%, if he usually plays 85% of the snaps, I'm not just throwing him in there to let him get some run, to let him stretch it out. No, no, he's he's your starter. He's going to play most of the snaps. Do you get him off a little bit more often and get uh, the guy who did a good job for you, just, just got in there for a handful of snaps? Said, I would do that. If you're asking me what I think will happen, no, Vontae Maddox is going to play every snap that he's ever played because that's the way the Eagles have done it. When a guy's good enough to play, they put him in there. They don't take a replacement and go, well, you know, he did the job, so why don't we throw him some snaps? No, no, they don't do that. 
they believe in their setup and the way they go about allocating number of snaps. So my guess would be that he'll play full blast if he's uh, capable of going at all. If he's going to start, I think he plays his usual number of reps. I would lean toward what you're suggesting. Maybe you bring him along a little bit slower. Maybe you give Josiah Scott a little bit of run because he kind of earned it with the way that he played. But the Eagles don't usually do it that way. So I, I would expect that to be the case again on Sunday. All right, he's Tony Shields. Jordan McDonald here with you, Tones in for Johnny Mac. When we come back, we're going to get to hear from our buddy Jeff Mosher from InsideTheEagles.com, Inside the Eagles podcast, one of the best Eagles insiders. That would be Jeff Mosher. He joins us next here on Birds 365. At Pond Lee Hockey, we've recovered billions of dollars for our clients, and we're confident we can do the same for you. With over 250 years of combined courtroom experience, we've helped over 100,000 injured clients obtain some of the largest settlements in Pennsylvania. One conversation is all it takes to help you and your family get back on track. If you've been injured in an accident, give Pond Lee Hockey a call. Jim Gardner is an icon. A Philadelphia treasure. He's a mentor, a pace setter. Jim is my North Star. He's trusted, revered, appreciated. He is Action News. He's compassionate, honest, and fair. He is extremely dedicated, motivated, and always seeking the truth. He's also funny. We are a team of many. Jim Gardner is our leader, and we're lucky to have him. Go passionately. Go fearlessly. Go confidently. Go first! <clears throat> Go confidently towards your goals with First Trust, Philly's hometown bank for nearly 90 years, and the official bank of the Philadelphia Eagles. We're focused on getting you over the goal line. So go with conviction. Go with trust. Go first! And go forward with us by your side. First Trust Bank, the official bank of Philadelphia dreams. Oh. And go birds. We all know that taxes are just part of life. It's true during our working years, but also in retirement. But what you might not know is up to 85% of your Social Security benefits might be taxed. Our team at Thrive Financial has helped retire thousands of people across the Delaware Valley by asking questions they never knew they needed to ask including how their Social Security benefits might be taxed. It's time to be proactive on taxes. Get your Thrive Retirement Tax Playbook today. Appreciate you streaming in here on Birds 365. Tony Shields in for Johnny Mac with me, Jordy Mac. 
Joining us now from inside the birds podcast.com, our buddy Jeff Mosher. I screwed this up all the time. I did it the last time with Mosher. I, I did it again. He's don't get me suits. Say inside the birds. Uh, if there are suits to be had, I will uh, defend them. Uh, Mosher, how you been? Been a couple of minutes since we had you on the show. How was your yeah. Thanksgiving? That was great. I hope you guys had a great Thanksgiving too. And, uh, and it was uh, okay for the Eagles on Thanksgiving week. Um, they've played 11 and one football. Motion. I, not, not attempt trying to not hurt myself while patting myself on the back. I picked the Eagles to go to Super Bowl before the year started. 11 and one, no shot, no chance. <laughs> I had to go in 11 and one. Uh, nobody did. Maybe Jalen Hurts' mom, but that's about it. I had them at 11 and one in this point. What has been the key element? A lot of things have gone right. A lot of players are playing better than thought. What to you is the key element as to why the Eagles, 12 games into the season, are the only 11-1 team in the NFL? Wow, that's a tough one. <laughs> the one key element. Because I would, I, I had felt for about probably the first 8 to 10 weeks of the season that beyond the obvious play of Jalen Hurts and the offensive line and the defense, uh, the coaching, things like that, that the number one reason that they had started off undefeated and, and even were 11 and one is that they were leading the turnover ratio department by far. They were, they were, I think um, at one point they were plus 15. I think the Ravens were then plus six or plus nine, something like that. So they were that to me, cause, cause most, most games are one possession games in the NFL. Mm -hmm. So when you're stealing one to two possessions per game, uh, as they were doing by having about 15 takeaways in, in eight, nine games, then you're putting yourself in such a great position. You're resting your defense. You're giving your offense short field. So it allows all the other things you're doing well to really manifest. But if you look over the last four weeks, Jody, um, they, you know, I don't think they, if, to my knowledge, I don't think they had a, a takeaway against the Titans. Uh, I'd have to go back and look. And they still won that game 35 to 10. So maybe that theory is going downhill. I mean, when you have a – the overriding thing, and I'm you know, is that when you're built strong in the trenches, you're going to compete. You're going to be competitive in every football game. That's why the Eagles last year, despite some real talent issues at spots, were still 9-8 and eight because they have one of the best offensive and defensive lines in the league. When you have that, and then you can surround that with the other good things, improve quarterback play, good play calling – good coaching, a secondary that finally, for the first time in a long time, complements what the front end of the pass rush does. Well, that's what takes you from being a competitive team that can be in every game to a team that can win nearly every game, and that's why the Eagles are the way they are. Yeah, Jeff, you brought up a lot of good points. First and foremost, pleasure to make you acquaintance. Uh, welcome Same to the show. You. Thank you, you know, like Jody said, they're 11-1. and No one saw this coming, and they – clearly show no signs of slowing down as we can see and you've checked so many boxes this team has checked so many boxes as far as how they've been able to get it done they're considered mm -hmm. to be one of the more versatile teams in the nfl because of the versatility of their style of winning right. speak on how difficult it is to prepare for a team like this a team that's able to kill you in the air a team that's able to kill you in the past a team that's able to force so many turnovers and sustain drives and dominate time of possession speak on how difficult it is to defend a team, to plan against a team like this? Tone, it's a great question because we've been talking about that a lot lately on Inside the Birds and our pregame show. Most really good NFL teams, Super Bowl caliber teams, most of them have an identifiable trait 
that makes them Super Bowl championship caliber. And when those teams don't win at all, if they lose in the playoffs, you start to see how they are built to be a certain way, but the other team figured out a way to take that out. I think maybe if you look back at the AFC championships, the last, uh, is it two years? Uh, Patrick Mahomes two years ago. Now, granted, they had all those offensive line issues um, when they played the AFC championship game and lost. But you started to see what happened when Mahomes tried to do it all and run around crazy and be here. They lost the game. And then last year, the Bengals figured out what to do defensively in the second half of that game to totally shut down the Chiefs passing game. Now the Chiefs are back. They're always, always good. But the Chiefs, perhaps the Bills, uh, any team you want to go through in, in NFL history, many of them are have an identity that if the other team can figure out how to just disrupt that identity a little bit, gives himself a good chance to at least hold them down or win. The Eagles – I feel have dual identities. They can run the ball as well as anybody. They can pass the ball as well as anybody. So if you're going to face a team that's really known for stopping the run, like the Titans, but you couldn't hold up on the, on the back end, like the Titans, well, they're going to come out passing, which is exactly what the Eagles did face a team like the Packers that have a, uh, yeah, actually their past defense. All right. But there have been some teams uh, like Houston, right? Where you knew that they had a, bad defense overall, bad secondary especially, and they came out throwing on it. And not too many teams are willing to sort of have that amorphous identity. Not too many teams are built to have that kind of an identity. And I think the Eagles are one of those few teams that can do that where you say, I will take out X or Y, but they can hit you with Z. All right. The last couple of weeks, uh, Moshe, the Eagles have done a really nice job with next man up stuff. Avante mm-hmm. Maddox goes down. Josiah Scott comes in, takes care of business. I didn't wow anybody, but didn't get burnt, didn't make big, big bad plays that hurt the team, mm-hmm. held his own. He got burned a little bit, but that's all right. Go ahead. A little I get bit. Your point. <laughs> didn't cost him a game, did he? No, he didn't. Um, and the last two weeks, I thought Reed Blankenship has stepped in and played very well for Chauncey Gardner Johnson when he's been out of the lineup. Mm-hmm. How are the Eagles going to be able to hold down the fort without Robert Quinn? Major loss to the Eagles on a defensive. How many snaps is he playing? Like 10 snaps? But it's 10 snaps. Somebody's got to fill in and, and take those snaps. Milton Williams outside increased the numbers of snaps of uh, BG. Now, Brandon Graham's been great in limited snaps. Do so you want to go back to playing him more? How do you think uh, with Quinn out of the line, if the Eagles will continue to formulate their uh, defensive end rotation? Yeah, I mean – you're, you're being facetious, but true. I think he was averaging um, 10 snaps. I know the most he had played was 22, but he had some six and sevens in there as well. So we're talking about 10 to 12 snaps, which is theoretically four a piece more for Brandon Graham, Josh Sweat, and uh, Hassan Reddick. And you know what? They actually, every once in a while, I forget to mention this, but I think this is part of it. They throw Patrick Johnson on the field every once in a while for a snap or two as an edge rusher. So they've already compensated Robert Quinn wasn't doing anything he was clearly inhibited you know I had some personnel sources I spoke to who were watching the Eagles tape even after his first game tell me that they he just the Washington game really maybe that was the second one but that he was rushing too upright he didn't show the bend that he normally had he just did not have the explosion for whatever reason and they were a little surprised by it and, and speculated to me that maybe something was bothering him physically so turns out that he first, after the Washington game, he first popped up 
on the injury report on Thursday with a back, then it became a knee. Jody, you briefly brought up Reed Blankenship, and I want to ask Jeff about this. You know, when C.J. Garner-Johnson went down, we all started to sell no alarm. We all became worried that a huge hole blew up in this Eagles defense. But Reed Blankenship, an undrafted guy, a guy from, I believe, Middle, Middle Tennessee, if I'm not mistaken, uh, a, a, school that's, a school that's not really known, but, you know, they have – they have churned out a couple nice safeties. Uh, the star safety for the Tennessee Titans, I forget his name. Byard. Um, Byard, yes, exactly. Um, you know, he's a he's a multi-time All-Pro. But, you know, Reed Blankenship, you know, in his brief time getting snaps, he's shown an ability to just read and react. He plays instinctive. He plays fast. He plays physical. You can make an argument that he's a better tackler. He's more physical than C.J. Garner-Johnson. And, you know, I, I guess my question for you is, what have you seen from Reed Blickenship, you know, to show that he can sustain this level of play? You know, I know we saw a lot from him in the preseason and he made flashes in training camp, but this guy has just, you know, he got his his first game starting. He picks off Aaron Rodgers. No one saw that coming. And it wasn't a fluky pick. It wasn't a tip. It wasn't tip drill. He read that play and he snatched the ball away from the defender. So um, can you just expand and speak on Reed Blickenship's impact and, you know, just his ability to sustain his level of success while C.J. Garner-Johnson um, is out dealing with that uh, that lacerated kidney? Yeah, I think you uh, hit on a big point there when you go back to OTAs and training camp. Um, first of all, when he was signed as an undrafted free agent, there was not like the, the buzz around him like there were past undrafted free agents that they've signed. Uh, he faced a very uphill battle. And if you can go back to camp, there was a lot of excitement buzzing about the idea of, Jaquaski Tart getting into the starting lineup and kicking Anthony Harris out of a job. Well, it sort of became half true. Anthony Harris got kicked out of a job, <laughs> but it was not by Jaquaski Tart, who was kicking himself out of a job. So think about right then and there just how far Reed Blankenship had to come to make the 53. You had Epps, you had Harris, you had Jaquaski Tart, you had Kavon Wallace. And I think I'm even forgetting. Oh, they were moving Josiah Scott at the time. Sasha Ray. Yeah, and, and Andre Sasha right. So, so that's six guys right there. Um, but we noticed pretty early on in camp that he was getting some third-team reps with Jaquaski Tart, and then pretty early second-team reps. And then there was a time in camp where Tart left for personal reasons. Um, and it just – you started to get that sense and talking to people that there, there was something not right with Tart and trying to learn the defense or, or – acclimating to, to Philadelphia. It just, just wasn't going right. And then obviously um, toward the end of camp, Blankenship still started to see second team reps. So we could see right then and there, and the coaches would be asked about it, that they felt that he was smart. He was instinctive. He knew the position well. So that's really where his sort of rise began. And to your point, because <laughs> we, we said the same thing, he, while he's not nearly the playmaker, that C.J. Gardner-Johnson is and has been for the Eagles. The fact that he is a natural safety who is used to coming up into a gap and taking on a tackler, and you saw that in the Green Bay game, you saw it in the Tennessee game, um, he he approaches, he takes the angles and the pursuits that someone like C.J. doesn't have as much experience with. C.J. really struggles in run defense, more so when that ball carrier gets through into the second level and takes like an angle at him. That's not where he, he wants to get his work done. So, but for Reed, he has a little bit more experience there. So, yeah, I think in a very small way, he helps the defense out for, from a run defense standpoint. 
Um, and that's been great for him. And, and we'll see what happens with his future. Obviously, you cannot duplicate, replicate, nor do you not want to not have C.J. Gardner back at that spot with all the playmaking that he's given the Eagles this year. Most, you know, I love to uh, ask hypothetical questions. Some I'm ready for can't it. Stand it, but I love it. That's what I would uh, love to see you interview Chip Kelly, by the way, who is the godfather <laughs> of hating on every hypothetical question there is. That would be fantastic. Ne- never had the pleasure. Not, <laughs> not going to uh, lose any Start sleep now. over the fact that I never got to run it by Chip the way I'm going to get to run it by you. Uh, okay. First hour, I did bring up the fact that Jalen Hurts is going so well that it might be too good for the Eagles good, that the contract negotiation could come become tricky. Because he's going to he can legitimately say, make me the highest paid quarterback in the National Football League. It could come to that, depending on how high is high. If he continues in this vein, wins an MVP, the Eagles win a Super Bowl. Yeah, numero uno. But we'll put that one aside for now. Here's the hypothetical I have for you. A little bit easier to swallow. Nick Sirianni is 28-1 and one as head coach of the Eagles. The one being the JV game against the Cowboys last year. I don't count that as a loss. That's a, that's a separate category for me, 28 and one. That's okay. damn good. The Eagles are 11 and one. Let's say they keep rolling and go to a Super Bowl, maybe win a Super Bowl ball. Nick Sirianni does so as a CEO head coach, one of Johnny Mack's favorite phrases, which he prefers. He says, that's the best scenario you can have for head coach. Get someone you can trust to call a play. Get someone you can trust to run your defense. And you sit back and oversee it all. If Sirianni wins a Super Bowl in his second year, big season, finishes it off, parade here in Philadelphia, the copycat league that is the NFL, will we see more CEO coaches in the NFL in 2023? That's a really good question. Um, by the way, you scared me with the math there for a second. I thought you kept saying 28 and one, and then I realized you, you said 20. Eight and then and one and one. Um, I was like, am I missing something? But um, <laughs> I think it kind of comes down to who you are. As a, you, you bring up a really good point. These things are hard to predict. Brian Dable is doing a really good job coaching the Giants this year, and you felt like he got the job right because of his ability to take Josh Allen and that offense and really turn it into something special, especially uh, after the way Josh Allen's first year went. Um, and it wasn't just that it was a good offense. It was well-designed. It was disciplined. It was diverse with his route concepts. But I, th- I was fascinated when he hired Mike Kafka, Mike who was yeah. kind of considered a, a future head coach and an expert play caller himself. And then I was even more fascinated when Dable said he was going to be the CEO head coach because sometimes without being in the meetings, Jody, you wonder, do the owners hire guys because they think that they are CEO head coaches or because they're great play callers? Did Mark Davis – hired Josh McDaniels because he thought he could connect with the last guy on the roster? Or did he hire him because he thought he was going to take Derek Carr and Devontae Adams and out-scheme everybody to death, which hasn't really happened the way he... So it's a great question. It is a copycat league. For a while, it seemed like all the coaches who were hired were hired for play calling and did that, Doug Peterson being a, a good example, Sean McVay being a good example. But like Pete Carroll has always been a CEO style head coach. Belichick's been a CEO style head coach. Andy Reid, more than people realize, has been a CEO. He has given up his play calling going back to his days with the Eagles many, many times. Uh, And he claims to not call all the plays now. He doesn't give it away forever, but here, take it for a bit, and then I'll I'll take it back at a later date. He's a micromanaging CEO. (laughs) Exactly. 
But I think it's just about who you are. Obviously, Jeffrey Lurie did not hire Nick Sirianni to be a play caller because Nick Sirianni wasn't even the play caller in Indianapolis. Mm -hmm. So it was natural for him to come here and be a CEO head coach. And, And Jeffrey Lurie doesn't look for that. He looks for vision. He looks for connectivity. He looks for the emotional intelligence. He looks for the guy who's going to treat the 53rd guy on the roster the same way he treats number one and number two guy. And not everybody functions that way. And that's why, you know, sometimes you miss out on guys, you know, he had interviewed what Arthur Smith and um, some other guys who took jobs before he settled on Nick or before he decided on Nick Sirianni. So, uh, but again, it's, it's all about what the owners are looking for and what reaches them the most. I think. I don't, my my point real quick is if you're an expert play caller, I don't think you're going to sit down with an owner Right. And if you're known for that and say, oh, I just want to be a CEO, you could. Maybe that's what Brian Dable said. And maybe that Giants ownership appealed to them. Um, But I don't know enough because I'm not in those meetings to really know. Yeah. You know, along with trying to find a coach with a vision, you want to find a coach that can bring the best out of your quarterback. And Brian Dable has shown that he can bring the best out of Daniel Jones. So, you know, some a level of confidence that that we didn't think was there. Right. And it makes me think about. Jalen Hurts and what Nick Sirianni was able to pull out of him, Shane Steichen, Brian Johnson as the as, as the quarterback coach, even Tom House in the offseason, and then Jalen Hurts' own willingness to focus on his flaws. I say all that to say no one saw Jalen Hurts coming in this way. No one, everyone knew he would improve. I think I think we yeah. all can agree that Jalen Hurts was going to improve from last year. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. the jump that he took, the level, the, the, the level he's playing at, the fact that he's an MVP candidate. I don't think anyone had their money placed on that bet. So I have to ask you, Jeff, based on everything you've seen, everything you've evaluated, as long as you've talked about this game, covered the Philadelphia Eagles, what's this man's ceiling? Is there even a ceiling in sight right now? That's a great question. I mean, there, there sort of has to be because I don't know how many more things he can do that much better. I mean, everybody, every quarterback can can improve in certain things, and and I can sit here and get nitpicky and talk about certain route concepts or you know um, more stepping up into the pocket than into the side. But like you know, whether that's just picking apart little bits, I, I would say he's already proven he can be a very good quarterback in this league. Maybe another year like this or two, and you start to consider him the best top two, top three, whatever. I mean, that stuff that list changes every year. Anyway, like people say Josh Allen's the best quarterback in the league right now, and I think he's great. And I said, but I say, what well, what did Patrick Mahomes do to lose that title? Just n- by not winning to the, the Super Bowl or, or losing the AC championship game where Josh Allen has yet to be. So it's it's strange to me. But I mean, you could put Jalen Hurts anywhere among the top five to ten. And if he continues to do what he's doing like this, then he can certainly wins the Super Bowl or or more. He'll have the the right to say that as well. I, you know, I think that the really the next next level thing is just seeing can you sustain this for year after year and just like a Mahomes or just like an Aaron Rodgers or anybody else, when you lose, the Eagles are not going to be able to put together a 53-man roster this excellent every year. Sometimes they get a little bit lucky. We can go through all the moves that they've made that were plan B, that, including Jalen Hurts, by the way, that turned out to be plan A, um, that just worked out in their favor, and it, it led to this this 53-man roster. Um so when, like like Brady has done, like Rodgers, like all the great ones, Mahomes without Tyreek Hill, when he eventually loses players, when that offensive line isn't the most elite in the league all the time, will he then be advanced enough to still keep the team competitive and Super Bowl worthy? That'll be a question for, you know, I guess, two, three, four, five, six years down the road. 
right. Knowing yeah, that you get it. Julie, I'm sorry. Like a quick follow up. My apologies. He's an MVP candidate, like I said, right? What are yeah. your qualifications for the award? You know, how do you define or identify your MVP? And is Jalen Hurd your MVP right now? I don't have a vote, and I haven't. I really haven't tried to sit down and think about it. I mean, it, you know, to me, it would be between. Remember, six, five games is still a significant number of games to play. But I mean, I would put it between him and Mahomes right now. Without real, I, I mean, let's say Miami wins out. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not guy who's not afraid to like not make a quarterback an MVP. I think Tyreek Hill has had just an unbelievable year. What's he got? Like almost two thousand yards already. I mean, he's he's been he's unbelievable. So if Miami wins out, which they're probably not going to do, and, and gets a top two seed, you'd you put his name in there, but to me, it's 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 a Mahomes, um, it's a Mahomes Jalen Hurts race, and maybe Allen get himself back in if they win out. All right, Moch. If the Eagles were to lose this week, which I don't think is happening, we're going to get an official prediction from you in a second. Um, a bad bounce. Uh, they they make a uncharacteristic mistake. However, they come about losing. Right down to the end, something happens. They end up on the short end of the stick. They've they've only had one loss this year. Bounced back quite nicely after that Washington game, taking care of business and getting right back on the right track. Mm -hmm. The timing of this loss, Chicago next week, Dallas the week after, if they lose, is this something that they can just get right back on the horse and go, all right, yeah, we stubbed our toe, big deal. Now we're going to win out and finish with the number one record. Or could this be the kind of loss that could lend uh, itself uh, to issues going forward? I know, another hypothetical, that's what I always ask. But if they were to lose, something that's easily put in the rearview mirror or something that could be problems? You know, that's a great question, Jody. I mean, they've shown the ability to bounce back, as you mentioned. They lost to Washington. And I kind of thought Indianapolis was a bad, you know, with them coming home for Saturday's first game there and them being able to run the ball and the Eagles doing awful. I, I really thought that that might be the first crack that you might see. And then they go and, you know, they win that game and then come out guns ablaze in the last two games. I, I think they can survive a loss to the Giants. I do. I, you know, There's still a lot of pressure on Dallas. Think about this because Dallas has what, two, three losses or two? Three. Three, and one of them is to the Eagles. So you're almost mm-hmm. a half game back in addition. Um, they would have to – you know, I don't I don't think that – I would think they're going to go out to Chicago and lose that game if they lost to the Giants. I think they would probably bounce back pretty well. Um, all the pressure is on the, uh, on, the, on the Cowboys because the difference between finishing first and second is potentially getting the number one seed and having home field to the Super Bowl, or the fifth seed is the highest you can get. If you're second, then you got to win a bunch of road games unless there's some upsets. So um, I, I just feel like the Eagles know this and they're they're confident in their abilities. And all the, when the, all the pressure is on the Cowboys in December, uh, history tends to repeat itself. In the last 20 years, that's not been a good thing for, for the Dallas Cowboys. So, You know, Jeff, I was thinking about this Philadelphia Eagles run defense, but then I took it a step further and thought about, thought about their special teams. The special teams has been abysmal for the better part of the season. They've been they've been the story, you you know, as far as as far as nitpicking. Right. They Mm -hmm. (laughs) I don't know how you can nitpick something so, so obvious. And, you know, I have to ask you this because they've the special teams has had its best had its best game against the Tennessee Titans by far. Mm -hmm. Brent Covey had over 100 yards in putt return. Um, Those guys were flying around and, and, and kick return coverage and putt return coverage, you know, limiting limiting the Tennessee Titans to a, you know, to a long field. 
And they also elevated a guy like Christian Ellis, who made a really big impact in special teams. He was playing fast and he provided a spark. You know, by your estimation, what triggered or clicked for this group? Did they have a come to Jesus conversation or what? You know, mm-hmm. and also, can they sustain it? Yeah, I think you just you put it out because Jason Avant, who does, uh, you know, him and Quentin Michael do a show on our platform called Q&A. And they were talking about it. And Jason said, I don't care what anybody says. Somebody got cussed out this week. Everybody got cussed out <laughs> in the meeting room this week. And I tend to believe it because. Yes, Christian Ellis got elevated and made a big hit, and he's absolvable because he wasn't part of the first 11 or 10 weeks. Um, but everybody else was. And you saw, I mean, Jack Stoll made a nice hit. There was better blocking. See, Covey's returns have not been great because at the end of every return, it looks like he's getting pile-drived into the turf. But he's act- he's not muffing too much. He had a yeah. few early on, but he's been all right. The blocking for him has not been good either. That looked like. It was all on the uptick. So, you know, guys got cursed out. There's no doubt about it. They got told what time it was in the uh, meeting rooms, and they came out fired. But to your point, Tone, sometimes that has an immediate impact, but not a endurable one, meaning you're fired up, you play a little bit above, and then you kind of regress back to the means. You know, the fact that Andre Chastre, who is one of their um, better uh, special teams players, was waived, and, you know, he was brought back to the practice squad, but he's out of elevations to the postseason, so he can't really help you there. I think they're banking on Avante Maddox returning. That helps put Josiah Scott back on special teams. Maybe he'll help help that uh, unit there. But I, I would like to see it more than one game like like you guys. You know, got to be from Missouri here and show me that, like, you're really, really different. All right, you need to show us the way Uh-oh. to an Eagle victory on Sunday. I'm assuming you're going to pick them to beat the Giants reading between the lines last 25 minutes you spent with us. Sounds like that's the way you're leaning. How easy, how difficult are Eagle fans going to be able to leave with five minutes to go to beat the New Jersey Turnpike traffic? How do you see this game playing out on Sunday? Well, there is one factor that that might threaten what I think about this game, and, and that's because, you know, there's three things in life that are guaranteed, death, taxes, and rain when the Eagles play at MetLife Stadium. Happens every single year. It's amazing, no matter what time of the year. So if it rains heavily, that could muck it up a little bit, right? Um, but I, I just don't – this is not a good matchup for the Giants because of philosophies. What the Giants do is blitz, and they play a ton of man coverage. What the Eagles do is block up blitzes, and Jalen Hurts picks apart man coverage. And, you know, teams, like we talked about with the identity, it's not like Wink Martindale is going to wake up Sunday morning and be like, you know what, I feel like playing a lot of zone today. So it, it, you just do what you do. So I just I don't see how the, the Giants will be able to score a whole lot of points, but I see a pathway for the Eagles being able to score a lot of points. So I believe I picked 27 to 13 in the podcast that dropped today. Eagles, 27 Giants. Yeah, uh, two touchdowns. If I set the over-under at Jalen Hurts' rushing yards, because that's why I think the Giants going to pay the price. They're going to blitz. Hurts is going to avoid the one guy who can make a play, and he's going to take off and grab 15, 18, 20 yards. Uh, over-under rushing yards for Jalen Hurts, 89 and a half. You're going under or over? You know, I'm going to take the under because the Giants secondary is so beat. I mean, they have four starters out. Xavier McKinney's out. Uh, well, Aaron Robinson's not definitely out, but he may not play. Um, Dory Jackson, I think, is is suffering from a neck injury. And then Darnay Holmes also. So when the Eagles smell blood like that, they tend to throw the ball around pretty well. And then, um, you know, I think Miles Sanders will be able to run himself pretty good. So I, I think Jalen will run like maybe five or six times and maybe in that 
35, 45-yard range. But I don't, I don't see him needing to be that rusher offense the way he was for a little bit when they lost Dallas Goddard. All right, I'm going to take the over. I think he's going to be a key element, him with his legs. This will be a remake of the Packer game from just two weeks ago. But we shall see. We all got the Eagles winning. Jeff Mosier, thanks for adding your insight to us, uh, to our show today. Enjoy the game on Sunday. Thanks, bud. Thanks for having me, guys. Have a good one. Our buddy from InsideTheBirds.com and the Inside the Birds podcast. That would be Jeff Mosher here with us on Birds 365. All right, uh, coming back. Tone and I need to put a bow on the show. Keep it right here. At Pond Lee Hockey, we've recovered billions of dollars for our clients, and we're confident we can do the same for you. With over 250 years of combined courtroom experience, we've helped over 100,000 injured clients obtain some of the largest settlements in Pennsylvania. One conversation is all it takes to help you and your family get back on track. If you've been injured in an accident, give Pond Lee Hockey a call. Jim Gardner is an icon. A Philadelphia treasure. He's a mentor, a pace setter. Jim is my North Star. He's trusted, revered. Appreciated. He is Action News. He's compassionate, honest, and fair. He is extremely dedicated, motivated, and always seeking the truth. He's also funny. We are a team of many. Jim Gardner is our leader, and we're lucky to have him. Go passionately. Go fearlessly. Go confidently. Go first! <clears throat> Go confidently towards your goals with First Trust, Philly's hometown bank for nearly 90 years, and the official bank of the Philadelphia Eagles. We're focused on getting you over the goal line. So go with conviction. Go with trust. Go first! And go forward with us by your side. First Trust Bank, the official bank of Philadelphia dreams. Oh. And go birds. We all know that taxes are just part of life. It's true during our working years, but also in retirement. But what you might not know is up to 85% of your Social Security benefits might be taxed. Our team at Thrive Financial has helped retire thousands of people across the Delaware Valley by asking questions they never knew they needed to ask including how their Social Security benefits might be taxed. It's time to be proactive on taxes. Get your Thrive Retirement Tax Playbook today. Stretch only a couple of minutes left here on Birds 365. Tones in for Johnny Mac. For those of you just streamed in or streamed in late, 
quick review of the predictions on the upcoming game against the Giants on Sunday. Um, we had Paul Domwich on in hour number one. He said Eagles 31 to 14. You just heard Jeff Mosher, if you didn't do it, uh, Mosher added 28 to 14. So both Mosher and Damo had the Eagles giving up only two touchdowns. Johnny Mack, before he went over to cover Nick Sirianni's press conference, had a 31-18 Eagles. This Mac man's got the biggest blowout of them all. I've got them 31-10 Eagles. So they don't get the five touchdowns they've gotten each of the past two weeks. Only four, but they hold the Giants to just 10 points. So we need one more prediction. Yeah, it's on you, Mr. DeShields. How easily or closely do you have the Eagles beating the Giants this week? Or are you going to shock the world and pick Big Blue? Hey, Jody, it's Friday. I'm feeling pretty brazen. So I got the Philadelphia Eagles winning this game. And it, I, have it getting out of, I have it getting out of hand pretty early. 38-17, Philadelphia Eagles win. 38, ooh, you got the biggest I, point total. Yeah, I think I think this game just gets out of hand. Like Jeff said, you know, it's just a matchup nightmare all over the field. And we saw what A.J. Brown did against that weak uh, Tennessee secondary. We saw what Devontae Smith did against those guys. Jalen Hurts is, I, I, I think, I, I don't know what it is. I think the Tennessee Titans game was the first step to Jalen Hurts putting the MVP debate to bed. I think I, I think this final stretch of games, he's about to he's about to strike lightning. I I really believe that. So here's the key question: If you got the Eagles scoring 38 points, all five offensive touchdowns, or is there a defensive score in there? Yes. Is there, there is. a special team score in there, perchance? Yes, I say James Bradbury has a pick six. All right, you're going with pick six on Bradbury. I'm going to take. I'm going to check the uh, wagering website. If there is a wager on, will James Bradbury get an interception? If it's offered, I will be playing yes because I'm with you. I don't know if it'll be a pick six, but I'm I'm going to predict and wager that he does get a pick. We're all picking the Eagles. If somehow the Giants jump up and win this game, you're going to be want to you're going to want to be here on Birds 365. On Monday, because there's going to be a whole bunch of mea culpas coming your way. For me, McMullen, we'll let Tone get on and go, yeah, did I really say they were going to win 38 to 17? <laughs> yeah, you did, though. I don't think that'll be well, the we case. Could have, but we, I, we will hold you to it, and we'll have to take our uh, uh, absolute uh, shots across the bow because everybody's picking the Eagles to win this week. We'll find out if that's the case on Sunday. Be here for all your Jacob media coverage over the entire weekend, pregame, postgame, everything else. The boys will be back. Mac and Mac guys on birds 365 on Monday. Have a great weekend, everybody. Good luck to the Eagles on Sunday against the giants. You've been listening to birds 365, the destination for the passionate Eagles football fan who bleeds green. If it's Eagles football, we're talking about it. Debate inside the locker room and guests that are some of the greatest football minds from around the region. We hope you enjoyed the show. We know we had a blast. Make sure to like, comment, and subscribe. And we'll be back soon. But in the meantime, hook up with us on social media at Jacob Sports. See you next time on Birds 365. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. 
Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.